Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Play Fantasy Spaceball Show with D. Mindy. Little Cheesecake and Doc starts now. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. Welcome in to another episode of the Triple Play Fantasy Baseball Show. We are now a proud member of Empire Media and the Empire Media Podcast Network. D. Mindy here. I'm joined by what many are calling a dessert you need to take seriously. That's Art Tornabeni, aka Little Cheesecake, the LC. LC, how's it going? I, I'm going. I'm doing really well. Uh, my my fantasy teams are are all over the place right now, uh, so I'm I'm managing my butt off, trying to keep myself at the top in some leagues, trying to build myself up in other leagues. So uh, you know, par for the course for fantasy baseball. How you doing, David? I'm doing good. A, a little birdie told me that you are in first place or you were in first place in your TGFBI league. Was that true? I was. I'm in third place as we talk right now. Uh, but, you know, this fluctuates so much over the last, you know, every day now is this early in the season that uh, I'm hoping by the, by the time the night ends, I'm back in first. <laughs> oh, I like it. I like the wishful thinking there. Uh, cheesecake was, I believe you were in the top 30s. Four, right? Or is it? Well, you were really high up there. Where, where were you placing at? Well, I, I, I was in the top thirty. Um, right now, I'm forty, and uh, you know, no saves. If I had, if I had like one save this season, I'd be ten spots higher, maybe can more. You, can you spare a save, sir? That other laugh you hear, of course. We're joined by Casey Friedman's worst half. It's Eric Middleton, <laughs> a.k.a. The Doc. What's going on? I was wondering if you were going to do it. I thought you might forget. No, I, I, guess I, I guess I am her worst half. I hope uh, she agrees with me. I'm sure she'll agree with me. Uh, but yeah, Remember, she's desperate? Well, no, you were desperate. She was you called, she, you called her desperate. Well, you're always me. you're always desperate. She was true she was settling, but um <laughs> she's settling <laughs> i hate you guys oh, i, I want to stay on the subject for this really quick and if you if you're listening to the podcast version i'm sorry you can't see this but if, if you're watching us on youtube uh this is a benefit of watching us if i were to say you're talking on the subject of significant others babe i haven't seen you in ears and ears but i still knows you is that cute or is that cringe it's cringe. Oh man, that's cringe. You guys don't like that? I know. No. Uh, you see, I I was very proud of myself when I came up with that, and you guys just it's ruined cl- it. It's clever, but it's cringeworthy. I mean, you know, you every every relationship's different. You got little things. You might call her schmoopy. You never know. You know, all these things. It's all it's 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 different strokes for different folks. 
You know, and I did that to Amanda. She looked at me like I had two heads. So, <laughs> well, we're with Amanda on this one, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Back to the drawing board for good old D Mendy here. But enough relationship talk. In today's episode, we have overreactions with the overreaction thermometer. We're one week into the baseball season, so it feels like it's enough time to help our listeners wonder if they should overreact to what's transpired or if they can be cool and stay relaxed so they'll make unnecessary roster moves. We're going to be doing this show with Jeff Erickson of Rotowire. Oh, man. I wish I had like some party flaring noises, but I don't. Make sure to stay tuned for that. After we go to the bullpen for our question of the week, who is the current face of Major League Baseball? And of course, our game of the week coming in to shut the door. So if you guys are ready to get another episode started, then man, we are here to do it for you. Let's do it! feel like it piles up a lot on us with our one show a week here. <laughs> uh, but we got to start, of course, Padres superstar shortstop, Fernando Tatis Jr. departed their game this past Monday against the Giants with an apparent left elbow injury. It was later confirmed that it was, I think it's called uh, suppl- sublegation, left shoulder sublegation. Uh, I promise you I'm not a doctor, so that's why I can't pronounce that. I want to give credit to a good friend, Nick Savale on Twitter. Who people aren't giving him credit, but he was one of the first guys I saw at Nick at Nico Siva Nico Siva one that he was the, one of the first guys I saw actually report that's what he thought it might be, and it's apparently where the joint dislocates then returns to the correct position. This can slightly increase the risk for future subluxation, basically dislocating your shoulder. I did see Nick Madrigal had it last year. He returned in about three and a half weeks, so that's just a little sample there. Uh, but I, with this kind of injury the ligament is damaged so if they go back and let him come back which they said he's going on you know the 10 day il right now with a chance to return from it this could obviously become a lot worse if he does re-injure it again cheesecake i have two questions for you number one if you're a tatis owner what do you think you could get on the dollar for him second if you were the padres what are you doing with fernando tatis uh, if, well, let's, I mean, I don't think I would be looking to trade Tatis if I was a Tatis owner, just because you're not going to get, you're not going to get a dollar or a dollar for him. You're going to, someone's going to come to you and say, look, I got this, got this great trade. I'll, I'll trade you Whit Merrifield and, uh, and, um, you know, some, some closer. I don't know. Uh, let's say, uh, uh Alex Reyes and Whit Merrifield for, for Fernando Tatis. And, and, you know, you know, that's just a, off the top of my head. I think that, you know, that's, that's, that's how a lot of people are going to be thinking about this, that they're going to try and, and come in and, and swoop in and, and hopefully grab Tatis in 10 days, two weeks when he comes back, they're going to have Fernando Tatis on their roster. I'm not trading him because I'm not getting full value for him and he's a first round pick. So you're going to want to get, at least second or third round pick value out of that draft spot. So I'm not going to be trading him and you're not going to get a dollar. Uh, if I'm the Padres, you know, he's the franchise, but this is the year you guys went, they, they went all in for him. So you're kind of torn. You want, you want him to, you just gave him this huge contract. You want to make sure that he's healthy for, for the, for the run of it. 
And you're also looking at this season as a season where you've invested a ton of capital, a ton of effort. Um, so for me, if I'm the Padres, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking, I'm going to keep them down for as long as I can. Hopefully the team plays well, but if the team starts to falter, God, it's going to be real tempting to bring them back up. What do you guys think? Doc, I'll let you go ahead. Yeah, no, I, from a fantasy perspective, I don't think you trade him. Maybe in a redraft, if you really don't feel optimistic that he's coming back, because I, I know what Art is saying, you won't get a dollar for a dollar, but it's better to at least get some value for him now than opposed to if he misses a longer period of time and it's like you're out your first round pick and you couldn't get any value for him at all, especially if he had suitors. If you're the Padres, as tempting as it is to bring him back, you can't because you signed him to a 14-year extension. And I think this is the catch-22, the, the, you know, the, the double-edged sword of signing someone before they've really proven themselves. He hasn't played 162 games yet, and he got the most lucrative contract and, and one of the most lucrative contracts in baseball history. So you basically have to own up to, look, we viewed it as an investment, and that's how we're going to play it. You can't go on both sides of the coin because then you might ruin his long-term prospect pedigree, whatever you want to call it. I mean, you look at, I mean, you understand why they paid him they, well, the way they did. You go back to his 2019 debut, Tatis says a 298, 372, 577 slash, a 148 WRC plus with 40 home runs and 27 steals and a 6.5 F war in just 147 games. So pretty much just under a full season, he's given you 40 homers and 27 stolen I'm, bases. I'm, I'm, not a, I'm not disagreeing that, but Think about if they had waited one more year. It's not like they would have paid him more. His market probably still would have been the same. No, I mean, I think I think it's just an unfortunate timing that he was hurt now. They were going to pay him, whether it was just a question of whether they were going to do it now or later. I think they wanted to lock him up. I think they wanted to show that they were dedicated to him. And I think that was one of the reason they did it now. The Padres are one of those organizations, I think, that try to lock up their own or you know, kind of like the White Sox. It's like, hey, we believe in you. We're going to give you a contract early on to show our belief in you. Is that um, not so, what they did with Machado, though? Like, they shelled out another $200 plus million contract to someone that was relatively young that was viewed as going to be the face of the franchise that they had never shelled out big money. I'm not saying it was a bad move that they did because I think you do have to pay superstars that money, but I don't think there was a rush to because imagine they didn't pay him and this injury happens. Well, you can keep him, put injury clauses or incentives in the contract, and that way you're getting yourself out of more of of a caveat without spending too much more time on this. I think when you do that type of stuff to athletes, it's basically, I don't even know the word to describe it. It's like, Hey, you're injured a lot. So we're putting injury clauses so you don't get paid. And I think that that type of language in a contract could deter an athlete from wanting to sign. They're like, all right, well, if you're going to put that much in my contract about my injuries, then I'm just not going to sign it. And I'm going to a team that doesn't put that in my contract. That's just my perspective on it. It's unfortunate. Um, but again, we'll have to see how they, the, 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 can I just say right one now. last thing? What's that? Juan Soto has played more games than Fernando Tatis and hasn't gotten paid yet. So I understand what you're saying of like, Hey, wanting to lock someone up, but there's also the sample size of, Hey, let's have them actually play over a longer period of time and not just speculate that they're going to be amazing, but to actually have the production on the field to earn that contract. But he has the production. It's just been he's been injured more. Let's let's move Same. on though. 
Major League Baseball Commissioner Rob Manfred announced that the league will recreate the All-Star Game, the 2021 Amateur Draft from Atlanta, Georgia, to now Coors Field in Colorado, which is going to host this year's All-Star Game. So balls will be a flying. If you play DFS, uh, could be a, a gold mine there. Uh, some unfortunate news. After opening the season on the injured list due to shoulder problems, athletic closer Trevor Rosenthal is going to now go the thoracic outlet outlet syndrome surgery route to address the injury. Uh, Right now, he's going to be on the 60-day IL. looks like his season is going to be done. Um, This comes with at least a 12-week recovery, but I don't expect you'll be seeing much Trevor Rosenthal this year. Obviously, you're probably going to cut bait with him. But my question to you, Cheesecake, who's your favorite guy in that athletics bullpen? Um... It's Diekman. Uh, that's just by default. Uh, just, just sort of like I, I thought Romo was going to be the guy, but you got Romo, you got JB Wendelkin, you got Diekman. Um, Romo hasn't looked great, and they've been putting him in earlier in the games. So I don't think it's going to be him. Diekman, to me, you know, it's him just because I can't. I don't think they're going to give it to JB Wendelkin yet. Um, or uh, what's the other guy? Uh, Trevino. I don't think they're gonna give it to Trevino either. To me, it's just it's just Diekman because he's the he's seems to be the guy. He's not necessarily the guy I would I would go with if I were them. I might go with, with talk nicely like, about Jake Diekman. I, hey, he he's probably a great dude, but uh, but you know he has control issues. He's a lefty, which is which is not a not a killer, and and uh, it doesn't kill the the prospect but it 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 is you know it is tough to be a left-handed closer because they might need you earlier in the game for a tough left-handed out um but i think it's him um i'm not sure if it's going to be him the whole season right now i think it's him though and but they're they're just kind of bad so it's hard to tell one thing that i put out um this is back in february i I, jake deepman was kind of my sleeper reliever I thought he would end up getting the job as the closer at some point. Not didn't think Rosenthal was going to get hurt like this. But if you look at his stats, he lowered his line drive percentage 18.6% last year, which was the most of all big league pitchers. Upped his weak contact percentage 12.3%. That was the most amongst big league pitchers. And he upped his ground ball percentage 14.3%, which was the third most among all big league pitchers. He also increased his zone percentage while decreasing his zone contact percentage and added an insane 36.9% K rate. So I think there's the stuff is there for him. Uh, I I have Jake Deepman in a lot of places because I think he was going to get the job. I'm, I'm hopeful that he gets. I know he uh, gave up a couple runs early, but I do believe in him being the guy. And obviously with Oakland, you know, once they do commit to a guy, they're not a closer by committee type of bullpen. So uh, that's going to have a lot of value, whether it's him or whether it's another guy, JB Wendelkin or another guy. Let's move to the next one here. And that's Diamondback center fielder slash second baseman Cattell Marte leaving the game last night against the Rockies in the sixth inning with the parent leg injury, which turned out to be a hamstring injury. Looked really bad as he had to help be helped off the field by trainer and manager Tori Uvolo. Later came out today, he's going on the 10-day IL. Cheesecake passing told us that he is expected right now to be four to six weeks which seems like it's might not even be long enough at this point. Doc, if you're a Cattell Marte owner, how are you feeling right now? 
I mean, you're not feeling good because he was starting out the year great. And I think that's probably one of the worst things about playing fantasy. Obviously, the injuries suck for the players themselves. But when somebody's having a really good year and you feel like, hey, this was my guy, I hit on this pick, and then they suffer an injury. And anytime it's non-contact and they go down and they need assistance, it's not good long-term. Um, or I guess a, a good prognosis initially. Um, you just hope he, he's able to come back this year. It's unfortunate that not even a week into the season, it feels like we've seen more injuries than we have in years past. There's been so many. Um, it's just been absolutely awful. Uh, a, a little bit of, of breaking news here as uh, I update the news and notes here. Another injury we're going to talk about, James Paxton, who had some problem with his forearm left after he threw a pitch. Right now, it came out that Tommy John surgery is recommended for James Paxton. So that is just an absolute blower right Please now. Retire. Please retire. Uh, is, this, is this the end of James Paxton in, in the major leagues? Um, he could transition to becoming a reliever if he really wants to. I don't think he's going to be a starter anymore. Um, but if he if he if he come, you know, he goes through the surgery and he works himself back. I mean, you could see him being a short, uh, high, le- a short inning, uh, high leverage reliever at some point in two years. I, I, I don't think it's out of the question. Let's just hope so. James Paxton has just looked great when he's settled to stay healthy, but that's just been the problem. He's he never been able. Twenty four pitches and now needs Tommy John surgery. Like that's that's just the thing that sucks about him pitching in any capacity is he doesn't. I like. I drafted him in a bunch of leagues, and I thought maybe I'd get two or three good starts out of him, but he just can't catch a break. No, he can't. Some more injuries. There's a ton of injuries. <laughs> Again, this is really depressing, but it needs to be said. George Springer looked like he was going to make his 2020 debut this week. No longer a chance of that happening. He felt tightness in his right quad or running the bases on Tuesday. Came out that he has a low-grade strain, and right now it's they're unsure when he's going to debut. This is frustrating, I'm sure, for a lot of George Springer owners out there. Uh, I, I believe right now he's not ILL. He's not on the IL. So you just kind of have to, uh, is he on the IL right now? Uh, I'm checking. He is not. Oh, he is on the IL. Okay. He's on the IL. So, um, but still very frustrating. You spent a high round pick on George Springer and he seems to have another setback. Uh, just hang tight with him. Obviously you're not going to. Get rid of or dump Springer. So just hang. Th- I did see, I think, in one amateur league, I saw someone post that George Springer got dumped. So that's kind of interesting. I, I want to take a break from the injuries for a second to ask you guys, what do you think of that fight with Nick Castellanos, who was issued a two-game suspension? Uh, we talked about this on another show. We didn't have to talk about it on this show yet, where he basically stepped over on home plate, just kind of staring down pitcher Jake Woodford, and then... Yadier Molina came in and, and tried to uh, to get physical with him. Cheesecake, what were your thoughts on all this? Let's get physical, physical. Um, Yadi, you know I, I love sticking up for your boy. This is this is par for the course for Yadi coming in with with uh, coming in hard unnecessarily. A few years ago, uh, I think Chris Bryant was like, I you know I I don't like St. Louis, and Yadi just was like. How dare you say that about St. Louis? It's like, come on, Yachty. <laughs> you got to, you got to chill out. Take a chill pill. Um, I, you know, to me, it's it's on Yachty that that it that it happened. You know, Castellanos was stoked. He got he got brushed back from Woodford. So yeah, he was 
he was he was happy when he came in. He's he got up and he flexed on him. You know yeah. what what are you gonna do? He flexed on him. <laughs> you know, Yadi's like, Don't flex on my pitcher. And now Castellanos is 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 looking at a suspension that he's appealing. I, I mean I, to me it's on Yadi. It's nuts that he's getting a suspended too. That's just unbelievable to me for that when people are fighting and getting more like less suspension. So baseball's backwards sometimes. Uh I want to go back to the injuries here. Braves shut down right-hander Mike Soroka for two weeks after he felt shoulder discomfort at their alternative training site on Tuesday. Keep an eye on that. Obviously, he's trying to come back from this devastating injury last season. Uh, but again, uh, that Achilles injury looked like it was fine. But keep an eye on this one just to be sure. Uh, see what happens. The White Sox announced Wednesday they've placed shortstop Tim Anderson on the 10-day injured list, retroactive to April 5th due to a strained left hamstring. The White Sox look like uh, Danny Mendick is going to be recalled and taking his spot. No interest there, right? We're not picking up Danny Mendick? No. Do we like his name? I like the first part. The mend. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, okay. Mend. I thought you were going to say men. Yeah. <laughs> Cheesecake with the jokes. I, when you put it together, oh. Mendick or Mendick. I think Mend Ick is more acceptable. It's like, the, it's like the it's like the old Pet Smart versus Pet Smart or Pet Smart versus Pet Smart. All right, I think that's enough of that. I don't people want to hear you talk about Pet Smart. Um there's a trade a couple trades that happened. Roof Rend Odor to the Yankees, Orlando Arcia to the Braves. Either of you guys anything with those moves? Are you running to pick up any of those guys or think there's something there? No. They're shaking their heads no. Uh, if you watch the YouTube version, you'd see that. I, I mean, I want to. I want to see what what happens. I don't. I don't think. I don't think Odor has played for the Yankees yet. But I'm not sure. I have to check. Uh, so, but it, I mean, we'll see how much how much run they, these guys get with their, in their new locations. Yeah, agreed. The last thing I want to get to, and we'll be really quick with this: the closer chaos that's been taking place. There's the Julian Merriweather Jordan Romano debate that's taken over fantasy baseball Twitter. Cesar Valdez, Tanner Scott, Diego Castillo has already been in the game for three save opportunities. You got the Tigers bullpen right now. Obviously, we don't know what's happening in Oakland or Arizona. Mark Lanson's leading the majors in saves. Jake McGee for real. I mean, guys, what do you make of all this chaos? Are you here for it or are you just, is this stressing you out? I'm here for it. Don't draft, you know what? Don't draft closers early. I, I always think I can just draft one that's secure, but like Razio Iglesias. He has one save and he has two in it, two outings where he's blown up. I don't think Liam and Liam Hendricks has a save yet. Nothing is guaranteed. Mm-hmm. 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 I'm stalling time while I drink my, my drink. Here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Cheesecake. Do you like this chaos or is this not for you? Oh, it's driving me nuts. I mean, you got to hold on. You got to stay strong in this. All right. Because you don't want to be the person who's reacting to the to this news and spending all your fab dropping guys who you shouldn't be dropping. Um, we must you want you immediately. <laughs> <laughs> you want to be the person who 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 makes the right call, not the person who makes the snap call in these in these situations. Merriweather got picked up for a ton of money, but we still don't know if he's the closer. Same thing with Cesar Valdez. He, get, I mean, he looks like the closer, but it's been a week, so we don't really know. I mean, there's there's a lot a lot of these situations 
and it takes a while for things to sort out. So for me, you know, make your bids, make them strong, but don't, don't blow 40% of your fab on these guys, you know, be, be, be judicious about how you're spending because there's going to be closers that uh, appear in July and you want to have some money then, you know, a save in June or July is the same as a same, a save in May. No, I agree. I agree. And you know what's crazy? I think people pay thinking that you're going to get those past saves. Like, oh, let me pay three or four hundred fab dollars because I'll get those two saves that Meriwether had last week. No, like, nobody I, thinks that. Where are you? Where are you? Nobody thinks they're getting their past no, but, no, but 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 that's what I'm saying. Like, I think people think that past performance is indicative of future success. That because he got two saves last week, that's how it's going to be the rest of the season, and that's not how it is. Like, while that was encouraging, that. The the chances of that happening again probably aren't likely, but people pay like it is. I mean, I think that's two separate things. People thinking they're going to get that as no, far I as mean, the statistics. No, pe- added yeah, in. no, people. I, I I was saying that more metaphorically. Gotcha, gotcha. I think people are caught in the. Uh, it was the heat out of the moment. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was nice. That was timed well. Thank you, man. Thank you. I, I'm working on it. I'm trying to get better with these things. But I think, uh, obviously, you need to make sure you remember to... Uh, you need to chill. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, anyway, if you're enjoying what you're hearing, make sure you never miss an episode by clicking the subscribe button wherever you find your podcast. And if you want to hear more Triple Play, great news, we have a fantasy football and basketball show you can check out available anywhere you get your podcasts. If you're enjoying the content, make sure you light up that Apple podcast or wherever you make ratings at, that five-star rating interview to support the show. Check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Triple Fantasy. Eric runs our social media and provides daily questions, bad takes, and of course, our weekly episode drops. If you want to keep the fun going, make sure you check out our website, all the best articles, videos, podcasts, and more at the Mecca. That is TripPlayFantasy.com. You can see David's ugly face there and his about me. I think people like to read about me, so I'll take that as a compliment. Fellas, I think everybody in their life could use an upgrade, whether it's your car, your house, or even your podcast. You want to swap out your traditional podcast for the upgraded version, that's triple play. If I were to compare it, it's like your mom coming home with a new husband like Dwayne The Rock Johnson, or heck, maybe even Jeff Erickson. I can't even be mad about that. Daddy Erickson has a nice ring to it. So make sure we're your upgrade, and we... Appreciate everybody that supports Triple Play by listening, watching, interacting with us every single week. Week, and we'll jump into the overaction thermometer with Jeff Erickson right after this quick break. You ready? Showtime on May third. Summer starts with the Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Woo-wee! Welcome into the show tonight, ladies and gentlemen. I am. Super pumped up, as I know, Little Cheesecake and the Doc are, because we have a pristine guest joining the show tonight. And without further ado, let me introduce this fine gentleman. Welcome in a man 
that besides having the name Eric in his name, his last name, is an absolute fantasy baseball stud. A co-founder of Rotowire, yes, that Rotowire, he's Rotowire's senior editor, host of Rotowire's Fantasy Sports Today on SiriusXM, and an FSWA Hall of Famer. This Northwestern grad is also a doctor of law and roots for a lot of teams that you can't help but feel bad for, like the Reds, the Bengals, the Red Wings, and the Pacers. We welcome in the only two-time winner of Baseball Writer of the Year from FSWA, the man with the rare combo of television face and radio voice. It's Jeff Erickson in the house. What's going on, Jeff? <laughs> we can forget about the television face. I mean, I have been on television before and, uh, you know, still try to scare the mice away and things like that. But no, thanks. I, I, thanks so much for having me on, guys. I really appreciate it. Uh, very kind of you. Uh, and I'm looking forward to this. It's always fun to talk baseball, especially early in the year when there's so much going on. Oh, yeah, for sure. And so I, I first, before we get into the baseball stuff, I, I did stalk you on LinkedIn a little bit. Okay. Um, okay. Oh wow! I don't you know if that two-time like winner thing is true, by the way, anymore. I think there's probably multiple <laughs> two-time winners. I think now, but I may have to change my bio. <laughs> so I think it's it's awesome, kind of your story of how you got in the industry and kind of where you got to where you are right now. Uh, for those that might be living under a rock, can you kind of go through your journey to get to where you were with RotoWire and kind of how yeah. you're one of the faces of the industry? Sure. I I always love retelling this one here. Um, so my. Uh, my partner at Rotowire, uh, Peter Shanky, and another partner named Herb Elk, the three of us started the company together in 1997. Actually, the winter of 96, we were, uh, Peter came up with the idea. He wrote for the Wall Street Journal. He noticed that everything was starting to become online. We were getting these mail in discs from AOL. Um, you guys are young. I don't know if you ever had dial up before, but, uh, <laughs> you know, you know uh, it, it, it's, you know, it just it used to be that when your player missed a game, you didn't know, like, why is he out? Unless he was a star, unless it was on SportsCenter, you didn't really know. You had to wait two days for it to come out in USA Today when they did the local market reports. Those were always pulled from like the local newspapers. We started to notice that local newspapers are getting online now. So I thought, okay, well, we'll access this. We'll report it. We'll have a centralized database. and We'll give a fancy context to it. Pete came up with the idea. He and I fleshed it out a lot. We did a drive all the way down from Chicago down to Orlando for the Citrus Bowl, Northwestern versus Tennessee, uh, Peyton Manning's last uh, college game. They smoked us. I'm a Northwestern guy, but we actually <laughs> rallied to get to 21-21, and then it got ugly after that. Uh, but, uh, you know, and that drive down and the drive back, we spent a lot of time talking about the idea. We had a soft launch in January of 97, uh, and it caught fire. John Hunt happened to notice us, gave us a screenshot in Baseball Weekly. Uh, John Hunt was the man. If you didn't know John, if John Hunt paid attention to you, your traffic just spiked, and it quadrupled pretty quickly. Uh, and he gave us a lot of positive coverage and it just, it, it kind of went from there. Uh, we were able to get by, it was called Roto News at the time. And we were able to get by on advertising only. We didn't really have a revenue model besides that. Uh, now, you know, you, it's a lot harder to do that, but, uh, we started with baseball, added football, added commissioner services, eventually added a lot of other different sports. Uh, we got bought out by a company called Broadband Sports in 1999 when we, we had to kind of make this decision. Do we get funding? Do we get bought out? How do we buy for more? How do we buy more servers, pay for more traffic? We decided to go this route. Um, moved out from Chicago to California. The company that bought us, Broadband Sports, they ran a, a couple of different sites. Unfortunately, they went out of business in 2001. We relaunched as RotoWire at that point in time. And about a year later, we realized, okay, this is the first internet bubble. You can't just get by on advertising anymore. We had to change from an uh, uh, ad supported site to a subscriber based site. We still have some free content, but you know, that was the start of changing our model and sort of adding on different services as well. 
Well, I mean, you've adapted well to the times. And I think, especially with everything changing as quickly as it does for you guys to still, still be regarded as one of the, t- the best, if not the best out there, it's just a testament to your guys' hard work and as and passionate as you guys have for what you're doing. Um, and again, it's it's one thing I think we all just admire and just love to be able to consume all the content you guys do. So it's, it's just a treasure to be able to, to oh, tune into you guys. Appreciate that. You know, and it's, it's a testament to that. We have a lot of good people with us. You know, the three of us that founded the company are still there. That we, uh, Chris Liss and Tim Schuler added on to be partners in the company in 2001. They had already started doing stuff for us. The five of us are still together. You know, we don't have a whole lot of turnover. Yes, a lot of people do go on. And like Derek Van Riper is now big with The Athletic. Andre Snellings is with ESPN. You know, the, especially people that didn't get a chance to be full-time. They usually, you know, get other full-time gigs. Dalton Del Don's another one. Stefania Bell. We're, we're proud to be associated with all these people. And it's, it's part because we've been with a lot of good people over the years. And that's made us look smarter. You guys are kind of like uh, the the coaching tree for all these uh, people being able to get the full-time gigs. You guys kind of help grow them up a little bit. And then when those opportunities come, you let them spread their wings and fly cotton. Something like that. Yeah. And, you know, it's, <laughs> it's funny. There's so many more opportunities now in the industry, too. It's such a huge community. You know, when we started, we were happy to see when ESPN mentioned the word fantasy. Now ESPN has their own monster fantasy department. Matthew mm-hmm. Berry does such a great job growing fantasy football. Yes, you know, Eric Carabell gave me a huge opportunity. And that's the thing about this. Uh, our, our community is we help each other a lot. It's not Coke mm-hmm. versus Pepsi. There's a lot of people lifting everybody up. You know, I got a chance to be on TV because Eric Carabell said, hey, you and Chris, you guys can come on and help us out with this ESPN news gig thing that we do. And I got to be on the fantasy fix uh, or the fantasy 350 was called. Uh, Brian Kenny, Michael Kim, awesome people. Learned uh, about that side of things. Uh, they were awesome. And it was, it was great to do that. And, you know, XM came along. I have no background in radio. Uh, I was a poli-sci major. Uh, and I'm a recovering attorney. Uh, and, you know, hey, well, let's do radio. Let's talk about that. I got to do some guest gigs before, but hosting is a whole different animal. As you guys know, just like hosting your pod here, mm-hmm. you know, and just getting involved in radio, it's, it's been really cool. It's been quite a ride. Again, you're definitely an inspiration for us. Uh, again, the hard work that you've done, and uh, again, speaking as since I usually host this show and, and just listening to how you do it, it's definitely been kind of a model for how I try to do things. And uh, I'm super excited just to be able to talk baseball with you tonight. And it's a it's a super fun topic actually to get into. And if you cool. haven't seen what it is, we must overreact immediately. Yeah, we have overreactions, specifically the overreaction thermometer. So we're okay. one week into the baseball season. Feels like now is kind of enough time to start helping our listeners wonder if they should overreact to what's transpired or if they can be cool as a cucumber and stay okay. relaxed to make the necessary roster moves. And uh, and everybody kind of after the first day or two was already jumping to it. But we, we kind of just sat back a little bit. We said, we're going to wait for Jeff to come in here and just make everybody feel better. So... I got 12 players for you, just 12 names that I've seen a bunch throughout Twitter, just heard on other podcasts, names I just hear float around a lot. So you, for the right or wrong reasons, I want you to be able to tell me if, if you're running, like you're running from a fever from these guys, like it's super hot, I don't want anything to do with them, or they're cool, it's chill, you can keep riding them out regardless of kind of whether it's good or bad type of deal. All right? Okay. Does, uh, sound good? So Sounds good. Let's for, do it. All right. So, Jeff, I don't know if you're a betting man. But when we're talking about reactions to players, who would be the first guy that you think would be brought up on any show based on how much he's taken the league by storm? Who well, do you think that would be? I, I, I cheated because I saw your yeah. list. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, 
I would have said Julian Merriweather, though, uh, just because based on the fab bids that we had in the NFBC this past week. I mean, that was insane, seeing mm-hmm. a closer go for 400-plus. But it's your mean Mercedes, who's super awesome and fun to watch, and, and also a guy that was available in almost every single league that mm-hmm. we're in, including AL Tower Wars, including like my AL-only leagues. It's incredible that he was still out there. Yeah, so my question to you then, and then, so I'm going to start how we're going to do this. I'm going to read the initial statement for Jeff to answer, and then we're going to alternate between Dr. or Cheesecake chiming in on uh, individual ones here. So the first one, your mean Mercedes will be 80 plus percent owned by the end of the 2021 season. So it's not like he's going to ride this hot streak and then be dropped. The end of the 2021 season, he's going to be at least 80 percent owned. Is that too hot for you or is that a chill take? I would argue too hot because there's a lot of 10 and 12 team mixed leagues where he's UT only. And that's my, that might uh, detract from him there uh, from being rostered all season long. And, you know, he, once he goes through his first slump, I bet, you know, he, you know, last in first out sort of type of guy. So I, I'll say life. I don't think. Yes, exactly. A little accounting <laughs> lingo there. You know, it's always, always yeah, draws the ratings I hear. <laughs> so but do you think, he'll be relevant by the end of the season? Or is this something that you think he's going to steadily decline eventually will just be someone that's on everybody's waiver wire? I mean, he hit in the minors. Uh, the lack of position scares me. I, I wonder what happens when he hits his first slump. Well, how does Tony LaRusso handle him? I mean, we already see Andrew Vaughn, who everybody wanted to get in, the, in spring training at the start and draft season. And is, of course, has the prospect pedigree. Tony LaRusso is already saying, oh, he's playing enough. He needs to learn mm-hmm. his role and all like. Could you see Tony doing that to, you know, I think he's oh, yeah. a hot hand sort of manager. Um, and I think that could happen at some point too. And, you know, if, if he ever starts playing catcher, then it's a whole different story. Then he's a hundred percent. I agree. hundred percent. And a couple of things with your mind, Mercedes, he's right now, his max exit velocity is actually really good. It's top 7% of the league, but his average exit velocity is actually under league average. Uh, mm-hmm. And, and so it's kind of one of those things you're wondering, he's got an expected 400 batting average right now. So he's actually, uh, one of the best as far as the XBA is concerned. Cheesecake, right. I'm going to go to you here. What mm-hmm. do you, you write streaming catcher and stolen base articles? Obviously, yeah. uh, it would have been awesome if you were on him first. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that would have been great. But so, what are your thoughts? Since you look at catchers so much, what are your thoughts on your mind, Mercedes? Um, well, that 632 Babbitt that he had coming into today, I think that's going to hold up for about another day or so. Um, but I, uh, <laughs> But I, I, I'm actually, I'm with Jeff on this. I think it's a little hot to think he's going to be 80% owned. Um, I'm not 100% sure he's going to be on the major league roster for the entire season. He's having a nice start to the season, but this is a, a guy who's been in the minor league since 2011. He's bounced around the Nationals, the Orioles, the White Sox. So, uh, he, he's, he's not really, uh, distinguished himself. As like a, as a, someone who who has been who people want to hold on to uh, to promote, so I think to me that just says that you know the White Sox are going to ride this as long as they can, but they have they have plenty of of bats they're going to want to run in there, and uh, when he cools off, you know he you might see him back down in, in AAA uh, come come midsummer, uh, but you know if you have him, obviously ride him as long as this goes. 288 WRC plus right now. It's beautiful. Um, but I, I don't think that, uh, that he's going to be, he's going to be maintaining anything close to this. 
Uh, I don't think he has the speed to maintain like the the, the high BABIP, or uh, and and I don't think that he has like the position flexibility to maintain the playing time. They have catchers. They have, you know, they have Yasmani Grandal, who is pretty much everyday catcher. You know, we his knee was bothering him during spring, so he might need some rest days, but. I don't think it's going to be Mercedes giving him that rest. It's Zach Collins right now. So um, I, I honestly think that there's a pretty good shot that he doesn't even last the whole season in the major leagues. My God, are you still talking? It's a good point. I was making a point. No, it was a good point. No, <laughs> you were still talking. That was a good point. Uh, I want to make sure that Jeff isn't uh, another year older by the time the show is finished here. So, uh, <laughs> so let's move to the next guy here. Corey Seager, hot. He was really shooting up draft boards by the end of the year, and rightfully so. I mean, he'd been hampered by injuries the last couple of years, kind of finally had some time to get healthy, and he really showed at the end of last season, especially the playoffs, what kind of hitter he can be. So, Jeff, my question to you, is it hot or cold as uh, that Corey Seager is going to finish as a top-five hitter, regardless of format, points or roto? Um. Format matters though because he's not he doesn't run and okay. and Roto I don't think he makes top five because of that points you could see it maybe you know I'll be honest guys I don't play a whole lot of points I just had uh, uh, Micah Henry on our podcast and he's mm-hmm. a big time points uh, league player he prefers that as his format uh, and and of course in a points league Corey Seager is a lot more valuable right you know he he's you know you don't get punished for the lack of speed but. You know, I, I do have him only in one league. If I didn't have him in that one league, I think I'd have some serious FOMO right now uh, because <laughs> I, I'd almost want to draft in another league. I love Corey Seager. I, mean, I get to see him out here all the time, especially now that DirecTV has done a deal here uh, that I can watch Dodger games. You know, don't get me started on that for five years and not being able to watch the Dodgers. But, uh, yeah, he's a fun player, and he's just he's just dialed in. When he's dialed in, he's fun. You know, I hope he stays healthy. But in a roto format, he can't be top five just because he doesn't run at all. That's a good point. Doc, I know you you love Corey Seager. What would you like to add for him? Do you see him finishing the year? And maybe, again, if it's Roto, do you see the potentials top five? Uh, not five, not top five for Roto. Uh, points League, I probably have for points, top thank 10. you. Top five is a little too rich for me just because he probably won't hit more than 25 homers. But it's interesting because him and Randy Rosarena were really, really hot in the playoffs. And one has continued that stretch and the other hasn't. But he might be in the best hitting spot in the entire major leagues. Hits number two with Mookie in front of him, who's an on-base machine. And right behind him is Justin Turner, Cody Bellinger, and Max Muncy. So he's having some RBI opportunities. He's getting a lot of run opportunities. And pitchers have to pitch to him because of who's around him. So he's someone that if you have, and I don't have any shares of Corey Seager, you got to feel pretty good about. Yeah, I definitely, Jeff brought up the FOMO. I have the FOMO. Uh, I drafted, I'm in 10 leagues, and I think eight of them I drafted at the back end. And he just wasn't in a spot unless I took him in round, uh, the second round back. He was never there for me. So That's uh, a great point, too, is how much draft position matters when you're looking at your portfolio and how much you have him. Like you, I, I as almost always at the back end of my draft. Uh, I think there was one time where I got him early in a draft, the January draft. I did a DC 15-teamer. Uh, and I was able to get him in the third round. But for the most part, he just wasn't there. I mean, he was mm-hmm. going late second round. And I was I had one league, TGFBI, where I drafted early. I had a two slot, and I didn't get him there. And it's interesting because I feel like with shortstops, they go very quickly. Like 
Yeah. As soon as somebody takes Tatis, you know, he was a top five pick. Then Trey Turner goes top 10. Then somebody takes Tory. Then somebody takes Corey Seager. Then Lindor. there's a little bit. Of, yeah, Lindor. Then there's a little bit of a wait for Bogarts. But it seems like once somebody takes that initial shortstop, then they go off the board pretty quickly. Right. And as we saw aces get pushed up, the later we go into drafts, mm-hmm. you know, all of a sudden, you know, then maybe you can get Corey Seager in the middle of the third round. I just, you just never made it to me. Uh, in my second uh, main event, I was at the sixth slot. I was like, okay, that would be ideal. No, he was gone. You know, it just didn't happen there, but that's okay. Uh, there's, I love that area of the draft. There's always someone good that you can get that you love, but just never happened to be Corey Seager, unfortunately. Yeah, no, I agree. And again, like you were saying, draft position matters unless you really want to jump to get a guy, which people will say, if it's your guy, go get him. But also draft strategy plays in fact, are you a pocket aces type of guy? You're like, all right, I'm in the back end. I'm going to make sure I get him. So that all plays a part in there. Uh, question from here, Jeff, are Reds win 90 games this year, just a hot start or something that they can keep going? Well, let's see. Once we get out of Great American Small Park and we stop playing the Pirates, we'll see how good we are. But, uh, <laughs> there we go. Um, you know, I, I'm I'm cautiously optimistic about the start. I like that they're hitting. You know, it's been a Reds tradition to underachieve at the start of the season and try to catch up. Uh, a couple of years ago, it, it had that brutal one and eight start, and that included two series against the Pirates. Uh, now this year, it's it's a nice start. It was a desultory offseason. That's the funny thing. Uh, you know, you trade away your closer for ca- financial flexibility. Let Archie Bradley walk. Don't even get, you know tender him an offer. Uh, the the guy they got in the Iglesias deal, Noel Ramirez, they they cut. Uh, but I love the development team. There's that's the thing. That's there's there's some things I like. I love the fact that they have Kyle Body uh, as the director of pitching there. I love Derek Johnson, the pitching coach. They they, they turn out these fun guys. There's a you know they they've kind of coined the term spin Cincinnati. And uh, it, that's been fun. Watch all these guys with great spin rates. Seeing We haven't even seen TJ Antone get de- deployed yet. I'm really excited about him in the long run, too. Uh, but it's the hitting. It's been pretty fun. You know, seeing Castellanos get off to a good start, seeing uh, you know J- uh, Tyler Naquin be able to contribute like he has has been great. They're in the right division. Uh, you know, only the Cardinals did anything towards adding much to the roster to try to compete for this year. The, the Cubs subtracted by trading away Darvish, the Brewers. Really didn't add much. Uh, they're counting on bounce backs, and that's it's kind of always sketchy to see. Oh, we're just going to get better on, on our current roster. Of course, the Reds had the same approach. We'll see if that works. Yeah, it's very interesting, and they've been crushing the ball. So it's it's very it's been fun to watch, especially if you have a lot of Reds on your team. Uh, so I want to go to this next guy here because this guy has been a very polarizing presence recently, and that's Sandy Ace Cantera. Uh, he's <laughs> been pitching like an absolute ace, a monster on the mound. I mean, if you're looking at his numbers, first of all, you go to the StatCast page. If you're a bull, you're going to destroy your computer because it's all red. makes him very angry. But you look at his stats, 1-5 ERA, 17 strikeouts in 12 innings, 0.83 whip. Uh, he's His XBAX slugs, all that stuff is great. Uh, but I'm interested in his pitch mix here because his pitch mix, he's throwing four pitches at least 18.8% of the time. And so he's using four pitches very well. Four seam is down. The usage looks like it's down a little bit from last year. Uh, so. I'm curious, uh, Jeff, do you think he is going to be a top 10 starting pitcher at the end of the 2021 season? Wow. That, that top 10 is a pretty high, big ask. Uh, I will say he's going to turn you a profit. Uh, no, mm-hmm. if you've got, and I, I, this is also uh, this is self-fulfilling prophecy, too, because I have him in six leagues. Uh, he, he's my most drafted pitcher. Unfortunately, I don't have him in either main event, but I do have him in a lot of other places. Uh, I, I love him. 
I, you know, the, the velocity usually translates into strikeouts eventually. That was always the concern is, is K to walk wasn't what we wanted to be. K minus K percentage minus walk percentage wasn't quite there, but guys like that get there. Usually they have that sort of nasty stuff and he, he's gotten better command this year. That changeup is just filthy. Mm-hmm. I love watching that. Um, I, I'm all on board the CND train. I'd like to see him get some run support. We, he still doesn't have any wins. And that, that's also something that could hold him back. Even though, you know, every, every metric we look at, you know, you're supposed to be more predictive of how well he pitches. But the fact is we score with wins. And that, that's a problem because the Marlins aren't scoring much for him and their bullpen's lousy. Yeah, and you mentioned that changeup. The changeup has a 50% whiff percentage on it. And is that something and- you'd be interested in? Yeah. Oh. I mean, it's amazing. <laughs> Oof, dog. I mean, it's interesting that he flip-flopped the usage of his changeup and his fastball this year, and it's getting that type of result. He's, I mean, and his, I think he touched 99 pretty consistently in his last start, so he's got the velocity, too. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I'm just mad I only have one share of him. But, uh, yeah, he's he's looked like a totally different pitcher. He's you go out there, and, and you have that guy that you're just like, you know what? I'm not ever worried that he's going to blow up. Um, besides, like the guys, you know, you have the the you know, Jacob Degroms, the Garrett Coles, the Shane Bieber's. You're like, yeah, I'll just plug them in and then just see how well they did. But like, right. he's he's slowly becoming. He's getting to that point. Of just how he you're looks. Jinx so him his next start, David. I probably am. Uh, Doc, I know you were very passionate also about Sandy. So why don't you uh give us a little info about? Him? Yeah, so, you know, top 10 is tough. If you didn't count wins at all, I would say for sure. And I think his success goes back to last year. He's somebody that was very low down boards. And you take out his four-inning pitched five-earned game against the Rays last year, and he actually has a 2.13 ERA over about 40 innings. And he faced arguably the toughest divisions. He had to face the Yankees. He had to face the Phillies twice. He had to face the Nationals. He had to face the Rays twice. And 2019, the year before, he had 14 losses, which was the most in MLB, but he had a 3.88 ERA. So my worry is that he's getting that Jacob DeGrom, uh, I guess, syndrome where he pitches really well and either gets a no decision or a loss. But he keeps the ball in the ballpark, too. He only allowed four home runs last year. Once again, the thing that's kind of preventing me from getting excited about him is the lack of wins. I think the Marlins looked better last year with expanded playoffs. I'm still not a big fan of their lineup. but. Him, him as a pitcher, he looks great. And as you said, that velocity is very encouraging. All right. Well, let's move to another guy. Talk about, we had a Reds comment in there. Let's talk about someone from the Reds. And that's Jonathan India. Jeff, my question to you. Is it too hot of a take to say that he's going to be NL Rookie of the Year? Oh, man. You're, that's putting that in my that's wheelhouse funny. there. I should, I'm not supposed <laughs> to say auto yes. That's a snap call. Uh, that he, oh, it, that's not turn. too hot of a take that, that it's a turn. good take. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I like to see him homer. Uh, I can't wait till he qualifies at second in the NFBC. Uh, you know, it gives me a lot more flexibility, but man, uh, he's doing everything right so far playing good defense too. You know, mm-hmm. he, you know, he started off and he got rave reviews back at, from the alternate training camp site for his defense at second base. We saw it on Wednesday. I don't know if you guys saw the relay throw he made to nail the guy at the plate, but it, it was, it was sweet. You know, no, you know, no crow hop, nothing. Just turn and chuck it and put it perfectly online. Uh, that was fun to watch. Uh, yeah, he, he, everything's going right so far. I, I, we'll see what happens when he gets his first slump because uh, that will happen and how he reacts to that. Uh, but so far, so good. So NL Rookie of the Year? Let's do it. All right. There we go. I like it. I like it. Cheesecake, are you going to rain on Jeff's parade or do you agree? Um, I... 
I happen to disagree just because uh, doing some looking deep, deep diving in his minor league numbers, you know, he, he's never been a high batting average guy. He's never been a high power guy. Uh, he just doesn't have, to me, the type of statistics that voters go for. He could actually be the best rookie. Mm-hmm. But, um, but the, the, you know, there's going to be, a, a, you know, a different rookie that comes in and, and puts up more, more, uh, numbers that are, are, are sexy to voters than, than he does. But I do like what he's doing. Obviously, I'm not a, I, I, I'm a big Cubs fan, so I, I don't wish good things for the Reds, but, uh, <laughs> But, uh, you know, you have to like how he started and you had to like how he started to up his walk rate in the minor leagues in 2019. And um, hopefully that starts to carry over into the major leagues and he can really, really be a great contributor for that Cincinnati team. Yeah, yeah. I'll say this, too. Sometimes we, we were robbed a year of development from a lot of these players last year. Uh, we we he de- There was development happening, but we didn't get to see it. So we don't know. Maybe mm-hmm. he actually started mm-hmm. to learn, you know, change his swing path a little bit more. You know, he, he, you know, even though the minor league numbers don't really express what he, his capabilities are, he might have been able to do, uh, add that a little bit last year. Um, he also has the pedigree, fifth overall pick mm-hmm. uh, in his draft. So there's some expectation level. The other thing I, I'm, I'm kind of curious about is, and I don't even know the answer to this, is who's eligible uh, this year. Like, for instance, is Dylan Carlson eligible? Because he'd yes. be a big threat, for instance. Yeah. Uh, is Ryan Ian Anderson Hayes. eligible? Because uh, those are two guys I think that could be big time uh, NL uh, candidates. Brian Hayes, I'm almost certain, is eligible, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. you know he's already hurt too, and it's the yeah. Pirates and the Malays that's all over them. So we'll see. I mean that, but you know th- those are three immediate guys that come into mind as threats, and you know, Jazz Chisholm could be that guy. You mm-hmm. know, I, you know, it's one thing to be able to take the field; it's another to say, "Oh, India is my guy." You know, but uh, <laughs> here we are. But that's why we're taking hot takes too. That's right. Exactly. It's the overreaction thermometer. We're just measuring yeah. if it's hot or cold. I like it. I like it. Uh, let's move to this next guy here. You already alluded to him, Jeff, so we may not put it off any longer. Julian Merriweather took the the fab world by storm. The the bids on him were just mind-boggling. Wait, 300. Can, can, can we say how much he went for in each of our leagues? I don't think people care about in our uh, TGFBI leagues how much he went for. So let's <laughs> I mean, sure. It's a good barometer. Um, well, actually, it's funny. It's TGFBI. He, I think he either got taken a week ahead of time in my league or he oh, just. Oh, wow. Yeah. So we didn't have that helium. But like in my main events, it was 412 and 317, respectively. Oh, my uh, goodness. Yeah. And it was, you know, it was 335 in mine. Yeah. I was like, and, wow. Oh, my gosh. And that's absent an announcement. It's not like Charlie Montoya has come out and said he is our closer. He hasn't. Uh, it's just, that's the way he was used on Sunday, but Jordan Romano is still a good pitcher. He's still mm-hmm. there. Um, and you know, I, I think there's still a reasonable chance that Romano still gets some safe chances too. And I, you know, when he pitched the eighth against the Yankees on Sunday, it was at, at the top of the order against the Yankees lineup in Yankee stadium. And he came through just fine too. It's not like he's failed. It's just, that's the way it's worked out for Merriweather. Yeah. So then my question is, if you had to call it right now, who finishes with more saves? Merriweather or Romano as it stands on April 8th? Uh, I'll, I, I think it'll be Romano still, to be honest. I mean, I was bidding on Merriweather because, you know, I, who doesn't need saves this time of year? But mm-hmm. uh, I, I think it's probably close. I mean, it could be like 20 and 20 apiece. But it definitely wasn't worth in your mind. I'm not saying it's uh, anything really is worth three or 400 fab dollars, right. but uh, 
you feel like more, I think I bid like 40 bucks on him. What would you say would have been a good bid, a good, in your, in your mind? What well, did I was you aggressive. I thought I was aggressive at least, uh, but I didn't finish top two in any, uh, uh, TGFBI actually finished second. Actually, I remember now it was a lower bid. I bid 130, 71, 173, but uh, I, I, you know, I, so I, I, he did get taken ahead of time. He just went for a lower amount, maybe because more people spent early because we had an earlier mm-hmm. draft. Uh, right. Uh, I think, and that's always funny, you have to calibrate for your league, but uh, I think you know, 15 to 20% of your fab budget is fine, uh, especially if you have granular, like uh, where it's 1,000 instead of 100. Like LABR, it's only 100, so each individual dollar matters a lot more. There's no $0 bids. There's no trading a fab, so it goes pr- by pretty quickly, but uh, NFBC, it's 1,000, so you get a lot more units to play with there. Cheesecake. What is your thoughts on Mr. Merriweather? Do you feel like he could be the closer there? Do you think if you have Romano that you're you're fine, you shouldn't be freaking out? What are your thoughts on this whole Toronto Blue Jays bullpen? Well, I, I I'm I'm pretty sure that Merriweather is still not pitching back to back days, and I think that that is going to be something that's going to be maintained for a while. Um, and because of that, just because of that, I think that that it's going to be sort of a fifty fifty situation, and. Uh, and and um, any sort of faltering by Merriweather and Romano's right there to step in to take that position. I think probably that it's going to be sort of mix and match wherever the like Romano's going to be facing like like Jeff said the top of the Yankees order in the eighth or, or he might be sort of the fireman. But uh, I think you know you probably see fifty uh, fifty saves. I'm just gonna. I think Jeff was right on with that fifty fifty saves between the two of them. Yeah, it's very interesting to see how that plays out. Uh, the obviously Toronto is expected to win a lot of games, so I think that's going to help as well. It'll give them the opportunities for hopefully both of them to be relevant. Um, and if you landed both, all right. So let's last question before we move to the next guy, Jeff. If you have, would you if you have both? Would you play both of them in your lineup? Yeah, especially early on. I mean, this week is maybe tougher because or, or, yeah, this upcoming week might be tougher because some of the aces might have two starts. Um, and if, you know, it means there's fewer spots open, but otherwise, yeah, I mean, I, I think we're going to have to make, be really cognizant of when to use our relievers because these relievers are getting more of our wins too. Uh, and I think, you know, with starters going shorter distances, you know, you don't want to face the Yankees. You don't want to face the Dodgers. You don't want to have course field starts, you know, those things kind of start to add in a little bit there. And so you'll find weeks where you're going five and four as starters, relievers, six, three, a lot, not always seven and two. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. That's a good point. Uh, this next guy I want to just touch on really quick. Not, not too much over analysis on him. He actually hasn't been mentioned. It's just bothering me. Andrew Benatendi. Is he droppable in 12 or 15 team leagues? Obviously in 10 team, he's not probably not owned. But 12 or 15 team leagues, are you dropping him? I'm not because I don't have him. But uh, <laughs> I... I, I I got burned way, you know, sometimes when a guy burns you, you like, he owes me, you take that approach. And sometimes you take, you also take never been intended. I'm a never been intended guy. <laughs> I think people were kind of optimistic. His draft price was so low. He's in a new environment with less pressure on him. 
you know, he could give you some steals. I think that allure was there. Doc, real quick, I, you're not a Benetton fan, are you? You're just no. I mean, like Jeff said, he's the type of guy where he burns you, and you never want anything to do with him again. I mean, his averages decreased the past couple of years from 290 to 266 to 103 last year. His K rate has gone up from 16% to 22.8 to 32.7. Never been a big walks guy. And I think sometimes the narrative of, oh, he's getting a new environment. He's getting out of a city like Boston or New York because we've seen people like Sonny Gray do well in new environments, even though he's a pitcher. Um, I think his draft price was, was worth taking a flyer on him, but I wouldn't hold on to him any longer. Okay, let's move into this next guy and let's get interesting. Shohei Otani. He's going to hit 30 home runs and pitch 100 innings pitched of an under four ERA. Jeff, is that too hot or is that just right? Is that cool? how many innings did you say? I said a, a hundred innings of under a four ERA. Hundred innings? I can I can sign to that. Um, I'd say no more than one twenty, which is fine. I mean, the thing the thing about him is how do you have to use him in your leagues? Like I know, for instance, uh, in Yahoo, there's the two Otani's. Same with Tower Wars. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you go NFBC, a lot of other formats, you get this choose at the beginning of the week. Uh, if you have a league where you have daily moves and you get both sides of that, I mean, it's just through the roof. That's where I get some serious jealousy that I don't have them anywhere. Uh, I, I even chose not to keep them, but we had a January keeper deadline in that league. And of course, then he blew up the spring and I, I, had, I, I was filled with sadness because I screwed up because at the very least I could have traded him. Uh, but yeah, it, it, so it goes. Uh, but yeah, I, he, I'm rooting for him just from a baseball standpoint. I think he's such a fascinating player. I am seriously skeptical that he holds up physically, though. Yeah, I'm. I'm. Uh, that's why I had the hundred innings because I was like, okay, I, I feel mm-hmm. like there's no way he can give a full starter's workload, and I, I'm just interested in the fact that he threw a hundred in a game, and then he, I think it was like what a hundred and fourteen mile exit velocity off his bat or something yeah. on one of his home runs the other day. It's like that's that's nuts that you can do both. Uh, right, Doc. Doc, I'll go back to you real quick. Those projections on Otani. Is that too hot? Or? Oh, way too hot. He won't even hit 100 innings, in my opinion. I mean, this is a guy that has, for his career, 58 innings pitched. And he pitched 51.2 of them in 2018 before he got shut down. And that was in 10 starts. So he's averaging about five innings pitched each outing, which means he would start 20 games, which I highly doubt this year. And I agree with Jeff. I think his body is going to break down at some point. I think you're going to see some overuse injuries because how many players hit and pitch as consistently as he does. He's exciting to watch. He has two home runs. He has two stolen bases. He threw 100 the other day. I think he's a great baseball player to watch. But once again, I think if you get him on your fantasy team, that's when it's a little bit of a headache, especially like Jeff said, you know, in certain leagues, you can only use him as a hitter or a pitcher for the week. Right. Uh, All right. And let's move to another guy here. One of my personal faves, Cattell Marte who I, I cursed at my phone when I saw that he pulled up <laughs> on his, with his hamstring. Uh, took him as my fifth-round pick in one of my leagues and one of the points leagues we play in. Uh, absolute stud machine. Jeff, th- this take might not be as, as good anymore that he's hurt. But at the time I wrote this, I said he's going to be the top second baseman in fantasy baseball. Now you can put that in whatever format you want to put it in, would it check out for Roto or points for you? No, because I think Whit Merrifield is going to top him. Uh, I think he's all locked in, and I think the sp- the speed again. 
Now, in a points league, it might have had a chance. It could have been a contender, but I think this is going to be a longer term injury now. I think it's just going to, he's going to miss too much time. Oh, I hated that. that they couldn't walk off the field without any help. I hated that they put him right on the aisle. I mean, I'm glad that they did it so they don't try to like get him, rush him back too soon. But, you know, the fact that they were able to do that without really any thought that it shows to me that this is, this is pretty bad. I hope I'm wrong because I have him in a couple key places. I, I'd like to see him healthy, but it's not looking good. Jeff, they're breaking my heart, man. I know, I know. A, cheesecake, are you going to save me? Do you, are you optimistic about this? Do you think he has that upside? I guess in points formats, do you think he could be this, the top second baseman? No. Um, I think that you should go out and, and uh, pick up Tim LaCastro as his replacement, get some of that speed. I think he's going to be regular. He could steal with regular plate appearances. Um, but <clears throat> that being said, I think, I think Marte, I think he's, you know, these types of soft tissue injuries, they tend to linger. Hamstring injuries are especially difficult to forecast there. I heard it, uh, a forecast of four to six weeks today that that's that that'll kill his chances of getting top second baseman. I hadn't heard that timeline. So that definitely takes that question out of there. So let's move then to a guy that people are taking their victory laps right now. I think more than any other player. And that's Nate Lowe, who has been absolutely destroying the baseball. I think he's still number one in RBIs. Uh, I, when I wrote this, he was. I don't know if I think so. Naquin I think he, I think he still is. Okay, Naquin's hot on his heels here. But uh, my thing to you, Jeff, he will be a top 12 first baseman in Roto in 2021 because he does steal some he has one steal so far and he can steal the occasional bag so that might help boost his value in roto see a top 12 no he's still striking out a lot i think the batting average is going to crush him eventually uh i i mean it's a fun story and i'm glad he's getting a chance i'm glad that nate Lowe has been freed uh i I, and he's off to a great start but he has nine strikeouts and 26 plate appearances no, it's hard to hit, you know, maintain anything of a decent batting average. I think he, you know, he'll eventually be in the 240s uh, at that if he continues uh, strikeout rate, and that stabilizes so darn quick. He's and K's have always been a part of his life, and there's a reason why the I think that's the reason why the Rays were willing to include him. I'm not trying to totally appeal to the authority here, but the same token, I think that there's going to be a drop off. I'm I have him in a couple of places. I hope I'm wrong a little bit there, but I, I I got him cheaply for a reason, and that is because I think batting average is going to be a problem for him. You're right. I mean, he has a 34.6K percentage this year. That's just way too high for him to, to keep up what he's doing. His XBA of 289. Uh, he's going to hit the ball hard. But yeah, that batting average, I would. I mean, right now it's 320. That's going to probably come down. Contact rate is not what you want it to be at. Jeff, if you have him in a league you can trade in, are you trying to trade him as ASAP while his value is this high? Or do you believe that he's still going to be a 30-homer guy that you're going to want even if it's just extra depth on your team. I think to pull this off, you need to kind of find an, uh, com- a competitor in your league that's got a problem with uh, injuries or something else at first base uh, or, 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 or just a util spot for that matter. You know, find the Eloy Jimenez owner, except unfortunately I am the Eloy guy and the, the league where I have low. You know, I was like, well, hey, you need another bat. Well, maybe I can help. Uh, but yeah, you, you need to kind of do that. But everyone knows you're trying to sell high. Uh, at least the leagues I play in, most mm-hmm. everybody real you know knows buy low, sell high. They, you know they're pretty savvy enough to notice that. It's not like you're going to be able to say, uh, you know, give me Pete Alonso for him. That's just that just doesn't isn't going to happen. Uh, but 
you know, maybe he's part of a deal where it's a two for two or a two for one or something like that. You might be able to pull that off. But most people are, aren't going to say like, oh, I was so wrong on Lake Nilo. I got to get him. I think we're in a different era now. You know, I'm really glad you say that because I think that's my biggest podcast pet peeve and I just did it and I'm going to punch myself for that because <laughs> I, I, I feel like everybody thinks that league mates are stupid and they're like, oh yeah, like trade Nalo, they'll give you something of value. It's like, no, everybody knows that right now this value is sky high and you're not going to give up a lot for it. Like, you're right. It's a different age now. No one is, everybody's in tune. They listen to a podcast or they, they have some type of research. If you're playing fantasy baseball is such a, a dedication and a grind. That if you're playing, you have to have some kind of knowledge most of the time. So uh, I'm glad you brought that up and can educate people. If you're doing that, if you're like me, you need to stop. I'll uh, give you an either or, though. I'll throw this out. CJ Crone has been a little bit disappointing. He was everybody's yeah. favorite guy in draft day. But, you know, prior to him signing with the Rockies, he, they were, those two guys were getting drafted the same spot. Uh, CJ Crone or Nate Lowe now? I still take CJ Crone. I would, too. Yeah, no, that's, a good, that's a good comparison, though. Maybe I, maybe I can find a better one because that was too much of a snap call. Uh, <laughs> Christian Walker or, C, or, or Nate, no, Nate Lowe. Hmm. You definitely made me think that more. I'm still probably going Crone. Walker or Lowe, not not Crone. Or I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, 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 I'm going to say, uh, what's it called? Go Walker? Uh, yeah, Walker. Okay. I, yeah. I, I'm a big Christian Walker guy, so I probably would too. But uh, that might be more the neighborhood he's in. He's he's definitely no longer like third you know, first base number thirty. You know, he's now like in the twenty to twenty, probably around twenty or so. Is probably where you put the slot him if you're redrafting today. Yeah, I mean, he still hits the ball hard, but right now he's got a nineteen point two K percentage. Last year, twenty point six K percentage. So that strikeout difference alone is huge. Uh, right. He never struck out like this, though, in the minor leagues. This was not part of his profile. Um, now that Nate that Lowe. doesn't mean, yeah, that Nate. doesn't mean that he's going to continue. He's he's not going to continue to strike out at at a really high rate. A lot of players, you know, the pitching is much better in the major leagues, obviously. But you know, with 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 further development, it might have happened this year. I think he will lower that that strikeout rate considerably. He was about a twenty percent less than twenty percent strikeout rate guy in the minor leagues. So I, I you know, he he didn't have that profile of uh of having tough contact uh when he was young coming up in Tampa Bay. So, you know, part of my hope, I mean I drafted him in in uh as as my as my corner in TGFBI and I've been loving what I've gotten from him so far. But, you know, part of my thought was that you know, this is someone who Really show, really did not play to his skills in Tampa Bay. And given full time run, he might, he might play to his skills, but you never know. I mean, slider usage is higher. Pitches are coming in faster, better pitching. He could just be a true 29, 30% K rate guy. Yeah. We'll have to see how that plays out. Um, I want to go to a couple bullpens real quick. Got a few more guys we'll get through really quickly here. Diego Castillo. Jeff, is he going to get 30 saves? For the Rays, I'll say no. I mean, that's the safe guess, right? Um, yeah. uh, you know, Kevin Cash is going to play with us. Uh, he has gotten the first three chances, mm-hmm. albeit he blew one. Um, but it's just typically, I think he's going to need Castillo in some other key moments over the course of the season. I still think Pete Fairbanks gets a few saves here and there. Uh, the fact that they've lost so many guys, like Chaz, Chaz Roby in the latest, uh, that might change things a little bit, but I'll still take the under. Just I think it's the safe bet. 
talk besides trashing Kevin Cash and how he doesn't care about your fantasy team, is there anything you would like to add to that? No, I'm actually going on the over in this. I know this oh, is amazing. Wow. So he had 12 saves prior to 2021. He's only 27 years old, so he's still kind of young. And he's always had a good whip, but the main issue has been control. Because from 2018 to 2019, he had 10 wild pitches and 7 hit by pitches in 125.1 innings. In the 25 that he's pitched since then, he only has one hit by pitch. So I think that was probably one of the big dings on him. But you look last year, the Rays had 23 save opportunities. Nick Anderson got six. He's gone. As you mentioned, Chaz Rowe is gone. John Curtis is gone. Sleggers is gone. So I think that's going to provide a lot more opportunity. I think Kevin Cash might be actually simplifying things this year. Uh, I don't know. That's a bold thing to say. Uh, I saw somewhere. And and I'm the one that never goes with Kevin Cash. I know you don't. That's why I was prepared for you to bash him. I saw somewhere (laughs) and I don't remember where and I can't find it. But someone tweeted out the other day, Pete Fairbanks innings that he came in like over the last like, I guess, like year plus. And it's like fourth inning, this number, fifth inning, this number, sixth inning. It's like literally he's been in like every inning and it's not like one like one inning over the other by a large amount. He's just like comes in at every inning of the game throughout his career. Yeah, so, but his, his career, he's, you know, it's evolved. Uh, you know, he's got mm-hmm. gained the trace, uh, the trust of cash, uh, you know, including in the playoffs. I mean, if you look at that, I mean, I yeah, of course, when he when you guy breaks into his career, he's going to get used all over the place. I think he trusts, he's in that circle of trust a little bit more. So I think it's a little different than Fairbanks at least. Like Snow wasn't. <laughs> no, well, wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> I have a, I have a hunch, though, that there's more to it than that with Blake Snell. I mean, I think the attitude stuff might be something that might war on them just a little bit there. You know, whether it was like the what he all the stuff he said, like when he was playing video games and was like broadcasting on Twitch, yeah, or you know, just you know, you could see him mouthing those words, walking off the mound a couple times in the playoffs. I don't know. And plus, they always did have felt like they had to baby him because of his pitch count would get uh, risen up so high so quickly. So I don't know. I mean, there's something to it there that's like I, I think they miss him, but at the same time. I think there that was a purposeful trade too. No, I think so, and uh, I'm sure he's. I'm, you can see he's happy to be out there. I think he liked Tampa, yep. but I don't think he liked everything that was going on in the sure. Tampa clubhouse. Uh, so, last bullpen guy I want to talk about Alex Reyes, who they talked about he was going to go 100 innings this year. People, I think, were thinking he was going to be like a Josh Hader type of role. Comes out and he's the Cardinals' closer to start the year. So, Jeff, will he stay the Cardinals closer all year with Hicks and Gallegos setting him up? Are we going to have a committee? What's going to happen with that? I don't know. You tell me. If, if you can <laughs> tell me, then I can react accordingly. No, I I mean, I think the simple answer is if he continues to pitch as well and he doesn't blow stuff, blow saves on a bat badly, then I think he keeps it. I think Gallegos is probably next in line over Hicks. Hicks looks great, but it seems like they, that's the hierarchy right now. They, they mm-hmm. trust uh, Gallegos in the seventh and eighth innings more than they trust Hicks. Hicks is probably the third choice, which is a shame because I've got Hicks in like everywhere and I have no Gallegos or Reyes, which I, I'm stunned at because I, you know, I should know better at least that, you know, I can't really trust Hicks. You know, we were talking earlier about guys with great stuff that don't have the strikeout rate. You know, Hicks is that guy. I mean, mm-hmm. he's just as a, as a reliever, he hasn't had the strikeout rate before. Doesn't mean he's never going to get it. Uh, and in fact, I think this is a year of development. Maybe by the second half of the season, they trust Hicks in that role, but maybe they like him pitching the sixth and seventh. Maybe they feel like, okay, he's this guy that kind of gets is the bridge guy. Maybe he can throw two innings too. Uh, I think it kind of it's almost going to be like one of those things where 
you know, the results will dictate the next usage. Yeah. And I think it's kind of interesting because the reason I brought it up, you don't think they'll be tempted at all. Even if Alex Reyes is, is having a great year as a coach, you think they'll be tempted at all to try him in a multi-inning role or try him for a, a spot start or piggybacking after an opener? Do you think they try to experiment with that at all? Yeah, it's possible. Um, yeah, I, I think, you know, again, like Reyes, you know, he can do the multi-innings, had, did do the multi-innings. He did like three innings in the last two days, or Monday, Tuesday, I should say, he didn't pitch Wednesday. But, uh, and I, I didn't get to see the usage in today's game against the Brewers yet. But, uh, you know, I, I think that uh, they will try to find different ways to get him in there and, and stretch him out. I don't think Hicks is ever going to get stretched out more than an inning or two at a mm-hmm. time, though. Cheesecake, what are your thoughts on Alex Reyes? Do you have any shares of him? Is he the closer of the Cardinals for the rest of the year? Um, I, I mean, I, I, I also, I'm also throwing my hands up in the air with this one because with, with the Cardinals going into the season, I didn't know who was going to be the closer, but I did feel like if Hicks, uh, showed that he was healthy, he would be the closer. And I kind of thought that the goal this season with Reyes, was to give him multi-inning so that next season he could be in the rotation, which was kind of, which I still think could be possible, even if he's the closer the entire season. There's plenty of pitchers that have bounced back and forth from closer to starter. But I did think that they had, um, they had tried to, you know, project him to a, to more innings this year so that he could be stretched out to go 130, 140 next year. As a closer, it's really hard to get to that 100 innings. Um, but, uh, you know, with him, you know, his walk rate has always been a little bit. And so for me, I, I kind of thought he might be someone who would have trouble getting a hundred innings on relief because he would throw too many pitches perhaps. But, um, you know, if he continues to pitch like this, he'll be the close of the entire year. But I, I do think that with all the different options they have, that it's, it's probable he's not the close of the entire year. That's just like a, a probability guess, not, not, not anything else. I'm glad you stopped being wishy-washy and you gave us a firm answer at the end. That's what I was looking for. <laughs> Let me just tell you, they had John Gant start the other day. That's when I threw my hands up in the air too. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, let's move to the last guy on this list. It's the Gift King, the guy that everybody's frustrating because he doesn't get strikeouts, but that looked a little different in his last start. That's Dustin May. So, Jeff, is he going to be in the Dodgers rotation the entire year and give us at least a K per nine? Yes and yes. I think he is. I started in spring training. And again, stuff follows. I mean, the stuff, the K's usually follow the stuff. It's him learning how to pitch. It's learning how to set up hitters, how to get that secondary uh, pitch to work a little bit better. But, you know, the, all the indicators were there. And, you know, the fact that, you know, they waited so late in spring training to announce him as a starter was kind of frustrating. Uh, mm-hmm. And he would have gone, you know, in January before they signed Bauer, he was going you know, around 150 or so. And then all of a sudden, like, oh, there's no spot for him or Gonsolin. Then Gonsolin fell by the wayside. Price got the late start. May was pitching great. Now, I don't see why they change. I think he, I mean, it's the Dodgers. So they're ridiculously deep and they'll, they'll flummox us at times. You know, they'll, they'll have the 10 day super, super blister and, you know, get the Rich Hill treatment for a little bit. But uh, no, I, I think he's going to stick in the rotation. I think he's, this is what they wanted. Um, and, you know, the, fact that Gonsolin got hurt is convenient for Mays mm-hmm. owners too. And David Price has looked absolutely dreadful. Yeah. So that definitely ties in there. Doc, any other thoughts on Mr. Dustin May? Yeah, I agree with what Jeff said. And you think about it too. I mean, he was the prospect the Orioles wanted in the Manny Machado trade. And that was years ago. 
So that shows how much they value him and believe in him long term. I think that was probably the best game of his career the other night, right? I mean, he went six innings pitched four times last year, but he gave up multiple runs in each outing. He threw six shutout innings. He had 99 on the gun multiple times. His delivery is a little deceptive, too. It looks like that with his pitch mix really threw off some hitters. So like Jeff said, it's a lot of times, you know, he's young. He's going to learn how to pitch. He's going to learn how to develop a secondary pitch. But I like his upside, and I do think he stays in the rotation. So I'm going to – the one thing I will say, you talked about how the Orioles wanted him. The Dodgers don't part with their pitching prospects. I don't think they're guards. And obviously, Machado's contract was coming to an end anyway. Uh, So I remember as a Twins fan when the Twins were trying to trade Brian Dozier at his peak value, (laughs) and we were asking for Walker Bueller. And this was was before – Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And – and they wouldn't do it. That's the only thing we wanted, and they wouldn't do it. And they only offered us Jose De Leon as the only guy they would give us in that trade. So uh, that just shows. I think they they very they know which pitching prospects are going to be good for them. So they're not going to offer them up it unless it's for for some strange reason. So, uh, but yeah, great not stuff. Not every uh, team is willing to give up uh, a, a top pitching prospect like the Nationals for a position player. Yeah, that. Mike Rizzo has done a lot of great trades. That one still boggles my mind. Uh, but great discussion, fellas. It was getting a little hot in here, so I'm glad that thermometers put away for now. And without further ado, let's get to the next segment, and that's going to be the question of the week. All right. Question of the week is sponsored by Monkey Knife Fight. Triple Play Fantasy is now official affiliate to Monkey Knife Fight, the fastest growing sports betting site in the United States. If you use promo code Triple Play, you'll get up to $50 of your deposit match when you become a new user and use that code. Remember, if you're looking to win some cash, make sure you follow the Triple Play Monkey Knife Fight shows coming soon to give you a 10 to 15 minute look to help you win big. Remember, code Triple Play. All right, Jeff, so my question to you, Eric, when I when this question was posed, Eric said, no chance there's a debate about this. I think there's debate. Who is the current face of Major League Baseball? I still think it's Trout. Mm-hmm. I still think it's Mike Trout. Uh, I, I understand all the, uh, oh, he needs to be more ad-friendly guy and all that, you know, he, but he, he's, still the, he's still the best player in baseball. I mean, he may not be the best fantasy player, but he, he's still an undisputed stud. Every year, he's going to be that guy. Um, I think you can make a case maybe for a couple other players, but I, I still think Trout's my like snap call reaction. I love that because he was so certain everybody was going to say Fernando Tatis. So that's prior to him getting hurt. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't matter if he's hurt or not. He's, the face is still the face. Yeah, but if yeah. you play more games, then you're going to get recognized. If Tatis can barely stay healthy, then people are going to forget about him. All right. Well, yeah, I, and that's a fair point. And let's face it, Tatis is on our magazine cover this year. So, mm-hmm. I mean, there is that. I mean, that, 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 that's a, you know, you can throw that hypocrisy in my face uh, if you want. But, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, and Tatis is fun and young and all that. And I think I was going to say there's like three options, really. It's Tatis. I think four, maybe. Tatis, Soto, Trout, and Mookie Betts. I, but when I thought, when I saw, first saw the question, like first synapse that fired was Trout. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to go with that. I've got one that you didn't list that I'll save for the end. Cheesecake. Who is your guy when you hear think of the face of Major League Baseball? Well, I'm I'm going to be contrarian just because that's in my nature, and I'm just I, I think that the current face of Major League Baseball, the 
biggest story of the offseason was Francisco Lindor trade to the Mets, or one of the biggest stories of the offseason. He goes to a huge franchise that's making moves this year to try and be good. He's an electric player who plays with a lot of enthusiasm, and he's in a huge market, and people love to watch him play. So if I'm just going to say at this moment, uh, a team that people's eyes are on and a player who's who's being watched closely, uh, Francisco Lindor is my pick for the current face of Major League Baseball. Oh, I didn't expect it to go that way. I mean, he plays for a big market that smiles infectious. I could see it. I could see it. Doc, it seems like your uh, doubt of the question has been squashed. So who is your guy? Yeah, so I actually think it's Juan Soto. And it's funny because I go to the grocery store a lot. And next to the checkout aisle, there's always baseball cards. And I swear I see his face on more baseball card packs than anyone else. And I think that's a great way to market to kids. But I also think his shuffle, I see so many people imitating that now. I think the infectious smile, I think he was on a uh, World Series winning team a couple of years ago, which really helped his ascension. So, all right, I'll admit I was wrong that Tatis Jr. wasn't the popular pick. I still think he is one of them, but I'm going to change mine for now. I didn't hear you, it, you said. We what a great era we're in right now. No we one's are. even mentioned Junior yet. I mean, he's amazing too. I mean, uh, yeah, it, it, it's we got all these exciting young stars. Vlad Jr. is going to be pretty close to that pretty oh, yeah. soon, too. If, I mean, if DeGrom only got wins, I feel like he gets so much more publicity than what he is now. <laughs> he gets publicity for how much he doesn't get wins. That's yeah. true. Yeah. Um, so, hold on, Doc. I didn't hear who, who was the guy you said? Soto. Okay, Soto. Uh, so, when I look at the face of baseball, I'm like, who in other sports is in the news where people are like, oh, yeah, I know that guy? Or I've heard of that guy. Now, Trout, Are you gonna say Bryce Harper? Uh, no, I was going to say Trout comes to mind. Obviously, everybody knows who Mike Trout is. But I think the face of baseball right now is Trevor Bauer. I think he's always in the news. There's always anytime he's making a start, it's like the the most musty. Whether it's his strikeouts, whether it's what he's doing on the mound, whether it's what he's tweeting. Uh, his agent is obviously very vocal on Twitter. I, I just feel like he is the entertainment that baseball craves as far as what his, he's such an enigma. Like you don't know what he's thinking. You don't know what he's doing. He's that, that unpredictability. And, and everybody knows who Trevor Bauer is because you just see stuff about him everywhere. Am I wrong? Is that, is that too hot of a take to think Bauer might be the face of baseball? I think for a baseball community, yes. For anyone else, I can't think of like, Oh yeah, I, I know football, but I know Trevor Bauer. Yeah, I, I, I'm thinking about that. Like, name, you know, and try, Bauer puts himself out there, and that mm-hmm. that's helped his Q rating, if you will. And he, he, you know, but he hasn't done that like year after year. You know, what's your favorite Trevor Bauer playoff moment? Well, okay, it's because he did the chop one time in a, in a losing effort. Um, you know, I think it's he's not there yet, um, and that's part of the problem too. Is like, you know, all, all the people that we're look, uh, discussing as possible faces, uh, none of them have like had their have had like a run of like world series wins, you know, I mean, you know, is it's, it's no Houston Astro. Nobody likes the Astros now, uh, mm-hmm. except for Houston fans. Uh, it could be Mookie Betts. And that's why yeah, I think he may add bets as a possibility because he's done with Boston and with the Dodgers. Now mm-hmm. uh, we all know he's also an awesome bowler. You know, one, like, you know, a goofy fact about him. Mm-hmm. Do you know a goofy fact about like Juan Soto off the field? Probably not. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, 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 I know it's a silly barometer. Mike Trout, you know, he lo- he's a weatherman. He loves the Eagles. 
you know, <laughs> seems like he's gotten a little tiny bit of pub, but uh, I don't know. Just a, uh, just a quick, uh, quirky little way of thinking about it. I you like it. Mimey, I just have a question because they did pull the ball on Bauer. Do we know the turnaround on that sort of analysis, analyzing the baseball? Because in his start yesterday, didn't they pull the ball after one of his innings to try and analyze it for something? Uh, I haven't heard any news on that since that happened. And I don't know if the. I just saw stuff going across my timeline about that right now. It's funny you say that. But, uh, you know, I've seen two different reactions right away. One of which is like uh, Mel- Bob Melvin saying he thinks it's coincidental. They didn't have anything to do with it, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. He was kind of downplaying it, but maybe that's just what he's going to do. Ken Rosenthal says multiple suspicious baseballs sent for inspection. Latest attempt of crackdown by the league. You know, and remember, is Rosenthal's story that came out freaked everybody out about a month, a week before the season started. Had people kind of maybe downgrading Cole and Bauer a little bit as the two mm-hmm. guys that are most noteworthy of maybe trying to get extra spin. I, I'm going to have to keep an eye on I did hear that this morning, and I didn't know if there was going to be that quick of a turnaround. So now keep an eye on that. If This will be the last thing, and then we'll go to the last segment of the night. If you have Trevor Bauer in the case that there could be a suspension, are you looking to try to deal him right now? I don't think you get full value for him. I mean, again, everybody's plugged into the news. I mean, maybe someone's got a hot take and says, oh, they're not really going to follow up on that. Fine. If that's the case then maybe you can get full value. But I think this is like the worst time to deal. You know, it would be crazy if Trevor Bauer got suspended more games for doing this than anyone on the Astros scandal. Yeah, that would be wild. That would be incredible. Oh, my God. All right. Let's get to the last segment of the night, and that's going to be the game of the week. All right, Doc, you are our host this week. So what are we playing? All right, so this is one of David's favorites, and it's called Leading Off. It's based on a a segment from Stump the Schwab. So I'm going to give you a question or a topic that has multiple answers, and you guys are going to take turns guessing. If you repeat the answer or if you get it wrong, you're out for that category. I have three, and then I have some emergency ones. So we're going to start with Jeff, then Art, then David. So the first category is going to be the last six teams to have the best record for in the regular season for Major League Baseball. So, for example, let's say you say the Tigers. That's obviously not an answer. That would only be an answer once, even if they had two of the best seasons recently. Everybody good? Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So the first one is the last six teams to have the best record in Major League Baseball. And Jeff, we're going to start with you. I'll go Dodgers. Dodgers, the most recent. That's right. Art, to you. Uh, I'm going to go with the Cubs. The Cubs in 2016 had the best record. We're going to you, David. Of course, I'm third on this one. Uh, The Yankees done it the last six years? The Yankees have not. You are out, David. We're going back to Jeff. I'll go Dodgers again. No, you can't repeat. Oh, I can't. Okay, it takes all of them. I got you. Yeah, yeah. No, I'll I'll let you go again. I'll let you go again. Uh, You're 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 a kind and gentle host. I appreciate (laughs) it. I will go Astros then. Astros the year before in 2019. Yes, Art. Dude, there's three answers left. Uh, The Red Sox. The Red Sox in 2018. Yes, everybody forgets how quickly they flipped the switch. Two answers left. Jeff, we're back to you. Ready. That's what um, happens when David gets out right away. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, give me 
This is bad. I'm going to say Nationals. The Nationals are incorrect. So Art wins this category. The last two, the Cardinals in 2015 and the Angels in 2014. Wow. wow. I forgot the Angels were that good. Then. Not have gotten the Angels right. Mm-hmm. He got All right, swept so, in that series with the Royals. So Art's got one. And the next, the flip side of the coin, who are the last six teams to have the worst record in MLB? And we're starting with Art. The Pirates. The Pirates, the most recent losers. <laughs> David, you get the number two now. You better the tiger, not get out the, on this. the Tigers. The Tigers the year before. See you, Jeff. And you got to think of this in terms of like who had the over, first overall pick. Who had yeah. the first pick? Yep. Um, let's go with. Uh, man, I'm, I'm getting stymied on this one here. I shouldn't. <laughs> it's too soon. Uh, give me. Let's say Orioles. I was waiting for you to. They had it in 2018. I was going to say Adley Rutschman. I, I I almost bonked that one. All right, Art, back to you. There's three answers left. Oh gosh. Um, uh, number one overall pick. This is probably wrong. I'm going to say the Marlins. The Marlins are incorrect. Uh, David, David, we're going to you. Oh my god. I only knew that the two that were first said. Well, I know the three actually the Orioles. Um, I'm going to go with the Kansas City Royals. <sighs> the Royals are incorrect. Are you kidding? Oh wow! I would have been. That was my guess too. I even wrote them down to remember. All right. Well, oh, Jeff, well, Jeff, you won this category by virtue of going last. Yes. So <laughs> the other three answers: the Giants in 2017. The really? Twins in 2016. David, I'm surprised uh, you didn't know that. Yeah. And then the Phillies in 2015. So Jeff and Art both have a point. If David wins this category, then I have a tiebreaker. But if Jeff or Art win this category, then they win the game. And we're nice. going to start with David for this. And this is a little bit of a longer one. The last nine players to hit 50-plus home runs in a season. And David, we're starting with you. John Carlos Stanton. John Carlos Stanton, 2017. Jeff, to you. Pete Alonzo. Pete Alonzo, the most recent 2019. Art, to you. Aaron Judge. Aaron Judge, also in 2017. Those are the three most recent. I'll give you that hint. And David, we're going back to you. That was my next one. Damn it. All right, I got to win this one. Um, I'm going to go with... J.D. Martinez. J.D. Martinez is incorrect. <laughs> so we're going back to right, Jeff. Now it's, it's, it's there's, an elimination guess. There are six answers, but I'm going to say this. Jeff, if you get it wrong, ask Art has to get one right to win. Okay. All right. Let's go Trout. Trout is incorrect. <sighs> Art, there are six answers left. Name someone who hit in the last nine players hit 50 home runs in a season for the win. Okay. Um, you won on a walk-off last week, too, I think, didn't you? <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm just trying to think about nine nine players. Barry Bonds. Among Barry, Bonds is, Barry Bonds is incorrect. So we're ah. going to go back to David with this. 
Ooh. Oh, I'm back in. Brings him back into the game. I like it. Back in. You're back in since you guys all got it wrong. Like press your luck where you get put back into the game. You guys (laughs) want a hint? Do you guys want a hint? Yeah, give us a hint. Okay. The last six players, the home run seasons were between 2006 and 2013. Albert Pujols. Incorrect. Oh. Oh. Back back to Jeff. A-Rod. A-Rod in 2007 is right. Yeah. To Art, Art, you need this to t- to tie. If not, Jeff wins. Goodness. Um, oh my goodness. Josh Hamilton. Josh Hamilton is incorrect. Which oh. means Jeff wins the game. The other answers: Chris Davis in 2013, yeah. Jose Bautista in 2010, 2011, Prince Fielder in 2007, Ryan Howard in 2006. And David Ortiz in 2006. I had Ortiz on my list. That was the only last guy I had left on my list. Oh, All right, well, man. Well, Jeff is the winner. How did nobody get Jose Bautista? I quickly forget. I, that reminds me of a little story. I, one of the worst fantasy trades I ever made uh, was this, like a score sheet league, simulation league, right? Uh, this guy named Aaron Judge had a terrible rookie call-up. If you remember, he struck out like nearly 50% mm-hmm. of the time. Yeah. Uh, and this is an AL only score sheet league, you know, keep it like 15 guys. I'm like, I can't keep him as a minor leaguer anymore. Uh, I don't know. I'm going to go for it one more year. I'll trade for uh, Jose Bautista's last season for Aaron judge. That didn't work out very well. <laughs> well, Jeff, does this win in the triple play fantasy game of the week help the pain at all? Oh yeah. It totally restores my life. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jeff, you took down the game. We had an absolute blast with you on the show. Thanks so much for coming on. It was a ton of fun for us. Hey, I, this is fun. I love the format there at the end. The game at the end, that, that's that's something new I hadn't seen before. I love it. Thanks so much. We like to have a lot of fun. We like to talk a lot of good fantasy information and the question in the game always to kind of lo- loosen the mood a little bit, have a good time. So um, can you let our listeners know, in case they're not familiar, I don't know why they wouldn't be, uh, anything you're working on or where they can you know read your work, projects you're doing, anything like that? Sure. I mean, always follow me on Twitter at Jeff underscore Erickson. Uh, we try to steer people to the website, rotowire.com. Uh, if you guys aren't on Rotowire, just you can check it out if you'd like. Uh, we have a free 10-day trial, rotowire.com slash free. And of course, I'm overexposed. I'm on SiriusXM five days a week, uh, three baseball podcasts a week. So I stay busy, uh, but it's it's a blast. I get to write and talk about fantasy sports for a living. And uh, it, it beats being a lawyer, that's for sure. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Jeff is one of the greatest followers in the community. He's super knowledgeable, if you already couldn't tell, uh, and such a nice guy. So make sure you're following him if you're not already. Next week, we're going to be joined by the combo platter of both Bogman and the Welsh from In This League. So make sure you stay tuned for that show. Until then, make sure we're going to uh, leave here like a bread truck and haul buns. So see you guys later.